G'day, welcome to the Fasting Highway podcast. I'm Graham Curry, your host from Perth, Australia. I lost 60 kilos or 132 pounds living an intermittent fasting lifestyle, and I successfully maintained that weight loss now, coming up two years. I wanted to bring this series of podcasts to you to give you an insight into what it's like to living an intermittent fasting lifestyle. I'm also the author of the book, The Fasting Highway, which is a story of my journey overcoming chronic addiction to fast food and sugar and taking that walk from morbid obesity to normality. So sit back here with us on the Fasting Highway in the next few weeks and listen to some inspiring guests and some experts in the intermittent fasting community. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the show. G'day and welcome to the Fasting Highway podcast. And this is episode 47. So today I'm delighted to be joined by the very inspiring Roxy Marino, somebody I've long considered one of the most influential and also one of the most knowledgeable people in the intermittent fasting global community. Now, Roxy's field of expertise in this community relates to alternate day fasting and also the Mealless Monday, which Roxy leads as a moderator in the Delay Don't Deny Facebook community in the group that's administered by Jen Stevens, the New York Times bestselling author. And Roxy is going to give a clear explanation in this podcast about alternate day fasting, the whys, the why nots, and also the how. And also she talks about Mealless Monday, and she gives a clear explanation of when you should and shouldn't do that. So sit back and listen to Roxy's own amazing journey as well, which truly is remarkable. Welcome, Roxy. Oh, g'day, Roxy, and uh, thank you so much for being here. I thought what we might do is start off with a bit of your backstory and what really led you up to finding out about intermittent fasting in the first place. Okay, sure. That sounds great. Yes, I am familiar with your podcast. I have listened, and I think it is awesome. So, um, again, thank you for inviting me on the show. Um, I can't say I've always been heavy when I was younger. I was, you know, pretty typical teenager. I had a uh, good childhood, typical teenager. I was an athlete, um, always played basketball. So no weight issues until I got um, into college. And that's when the weight issues started happening. And I was very stressed. I had a full-time, a part-time job. I was going to school full-time. I received a bachelor's and then master's in speech therapy. I also had a very young daughter so I had to do all of those things at once. And there's really not any time for health at that point. You're just kind of um, trying to exist on a day-to-day basis. So um, because of that, I really lost control of my weight. And then because of the region where we're from, unfortunately, our diet is, is very unhealthy. So I started falling into very unhealthy patterns as far as eating. Um, And I wasn't exercising as much as I was used to. So that was a very bad combination. So fast forward to um, about 19 months ago, a friend from work told me about Delay Don't Deny by Jen Stevens. At this point, everybody kind of knew I had tried everything to lose weight and had been unsuccessful Um, for any period of time. So I'm not good at calorie counting. I've never been good at macro counting. I've never been very good at dieting in general. Like I said, I didn't have a lot of practice with it. So when I read Delay Don't Deny, I read the book during lunchtime and I started my very first fast that evening. And I've been fasting every day for 19 months now. Wow, that's great, Roxy. So When you first started fasting, what protocol were you doing and why did you choose that particular protocol? Sure. I began with 16-8 for the first couple of days. So I was ready, prepped. I took my food to work. And at lunchtime, that's when I broke fast and it had been 16 hours. So I began with 16-8 for the first couple of days, but then I quickly increased to 20 four, 20 hours of fasting, four hours of eating, and then 22-2. And 
I just settled there very naturally. I couldn't believe after not being able to, you know, do any kind of dieting, being unsuccessful with anything, I was really a natural faster. And um, it was really a godsend. And I'm not a coffee drinker, so I've always been a clean faster. And I can't say if that for sure is what made it so easy, but I really feel like that's probably what it was. And we are big believers in Jen Stevens groups, Delay Don't Deny, Fast Feast Repeat, about the clean fast. The clean fast, that's where we believe the magic happens. So we believe that you're either fasting or you're not. Um, the clean fast protocol kind of centers around the tea part gets tricky. So let me start with black coffee, water, and unflavored sparkling or mineral water. Also, in the clean fast protocol, unflavored black and or green tea is also allowed. No flavors, no lemon in your tea, um, no creamers in your coffee, no you know half and half stevias, any kind of... Um, sweeteners, even if they are zero calories, even if it has no, you know, uh, sugar added, like all of the waters that are all the sparkling waters that are flavored, those are not allowed. So again, the clean fast is black coffee, water, unflavored sparkling or mineral water, and black and or green tea. We believe that the magic happens in the clean fast because it minimizes hunger, and I can totally attest for that. It minimizes hunger and it maximizes fat burn because it keeps our circulating insulin low. Therefore, our body wants to naturally go for the fat, go into our fat storages for energy instead of using the cream that we've just drank or the sweeteners that we've just consumed. So it's really important for a lot of reasons. Yeah, that's fantastic explanation. And it is just keeping that insulin low and giving our bodies a rest from eating and letting our organs do the magic. And I sort of terminology I use is that I like to think it's just regenerating my system while I'm clean fasting. And at the end of the day, it just takes out that trash Roxy. And then when we open our window, we have that nutritious feast, but with food, Roxy, at the beginning, were you eating all the things or did you restrict anything? And you're totally correct. You know, you give your body a rest and you want to honor that body. Best case scenario, by feeding it nutritious foods. And we are very big about that. And, you know, Jen is, is all about feast without fear and eating the foods that make your body thrive. So I've had a big difficulty with this. I'm just going to be honest with you. And I'm sure you've seen me in the groups and the meals that I post. When I first started OMAD, I really took delay, don't deny to its, I misinterpreted it. So I thought, well, as long as I just delay all of these foods that are not good for me in this tiny window, everything's going to be okay. So I did eat all the things, I would say at least one year. And in this time, but that is the magic of fasting as well. I'm not telling anybody to do that because if I could go back and tell myself one thing, it would be to fill my body with nutritious foods after my fasts, uh, to honor what I had just done, to not fill it with, you know, with the foods that I chose to at that time. So I wasn't the best eater. Anybody can tell you that who knows me. But even in that short time span, in 10 months, I was able to reverse my fatty liver and my pre-diabetic numbers. But I really believe it's because I I would fast for so long during the day. I don't think a 16-8 or 18-6 would have yielded those results because of what I was eating. First started intermittent fasting. I had basically kind of given up that I was going to, you know, lose any weight long-term anymore. And I feel like, you know, when I listen to other podcast interviews, a lot of people say the same thing. You just kind of get complacent. And I think I had reached that point where I was kind of complacent. So I was very close to 200 pounds. I was 194 pounds, but I think I had gotten a little bit heavier and 
um, by some miracle that morning when I decided to weigh, I was 194. Within um, seven months of that, I lost 21 pounds with OMAD. So that was pretty amazing for me because I hadn't been able to lose weight in a very long time, especially 21 pounds. Then my weight loss stalled for seven months because I had gotten very comfortable in my OMAD lifestyle and eating my one meal a day with no restrictions. As the time went on, my tastes naturally evolved and I stopped eating really um, really fatty foods or really unhealthy foods. I really started naturally gravitating towards home-cooked meals. I cooked a lot more. So I think all of that really helped also. So I lost 21 pounds and then I stalled for seven months because like I said, I got really comfortable being an O-matter. I love it. And I'm going to be an O-matter the rest of my life. And when I get to goal, that's, you know, that's the schedule that I'm, that I love. What sort of mindset did you have at the beginning? And did you have any goals that you set yourself? Yeah, I think mindset is so important. And Jen, in Fast Feast Repeat, dedicated a whole chapter to mindset because it is so important. Living where I live, fasting is pretty much non-existent. Um, so I was really one of the only fasters down here. I, I live in McAllen, Texas. It is very South Texas. It's the most Southern um, point of Texas in the United States. So we're 10 minutes from the Mexican border and there's really, you know, fasting is unheard of down here. So I knew that my mindset had to be ready and I was just ready, Graham. Like I said, I started my first fast that night and I've never stopped. And have I had stalls in my weight loss? Yes, we will all have stalls and weight loss, especially as women. I feel like because of our hormones and fasting is trying to balance our hormones, you know, we go through different things than men do. And that's totally okay. I was already prepared for those things because I had read so many, I read all of Dr. Jason Fung's books, The Obesity Code, The Diabetes Code. Um, I listened to a lot of podcasts and I was mentally ready to do this. And I think being in Jim's groups helps so much because you're with like-minded people. And every once in a while, you'll see somebody, well, it's not working for me. Well, it's not working for me. Well, we, it's dependent upon us to make it work. Nobody in my environment was going to help me because nobody really does fasting. The co my coworker does, which I'm, you know, she's still OMADS to this day. She is a one meal a day eater. And, um, but I knew that I was going to struggle in the environment that I was in. But you know, it hasn't been a struggle. Everybody has been so positive about it around me. And I've tried to influence some people. I'm not very successful at it. But I feel like because our culture and tradition revolves so much around food, it is very difficult down here um, to do it. So mindset is key. Because if you think you can, then you will. And if you think you can't, then you're right you won't. So, you know, you've got to get that right first. Yeah. You mentioned the city where you live or the town where you live is one of the most obese, sort of highest obesity rates in the United States. What's the real reason for that? Do you think, is that a cultural thing or is it just that particular area? Well, you know, I heard a doctor describe it once because we do have a low carb MD down here who has been on the low carb MD podcast, which I love. I love that podcast. Um, it's very informative. And one day I was listening to it and he, he said something and I was half listening. And then he says, I live in the most obese city in the United States. I'm from McAllen, Texas. And my ears just perked up. And I said, who is this doctor? So I went ahead and looked him up. And he described it the best on low carb MD. We have the worst of both worlds. So we have all of the fast food, American fast food around us. I mean, you go to, there's, there's a fast food place chain on every corner here. And then he said, 
we also have the worst of all the great Mexican food, which is true. So we just live in a very special place in the United States on for many reasons. It's a beautiful place and um, I would never knock it. However, this environment, our culture, our traditions have created this obesity. So we do live in the most obesity in the United States. In 2018, our diabetic rate was 28%, and I'm sure it's much higher now. My parents are part of that percentage, and I was headed that way as well. My mom is, like I said, not everybody will do OMAD the same. Some people do one plate a day, and they'll literally sit down and eat one plate of food, which is great, good for them. You know, that's, that's great too. Sometimes, Graham, I skip the snack. I don't do an opener and I'll just eat dinner and I won't have a dessert. So every day kind of looks different for me on um, medication for diabetes. And my father is insulin dependent. So I knew the road I was going down and I really needed to stop it. And fasting has just been life changing. Yeah. So. Have your parents sort of looked at what you're doing and are they interested in what you're doing? Do they ask you questions about it? Well, my dad doesn't live very close to, to us, but I did send him um, the diabetes code on, on, I think, like Google Play or something like that. But I did send it to him and that way I could kind of see if he would read it. He hasn't mentioned anything yet, but my mom does fast and she does an 18-6, which is great. However, because of our level of insulin resistance, um, 18.6 pi won't reverse her diabetes, but it does help control it. So I'm very happy with that. My daughter also fasts and Autumn, that's her name, she's 24 and she is an amazing faster. She also OMADs and she participates in Mealis Monday. Yeah. Could you just describe for people that may be listening when we talk about OMAD, we're talking about one meal a day there. What's your interpretation of, of OMAD? My interpretation of OMAD is one meal a day. How I do one meal a day is very different than anybody else would probably do one meal a day. First and foremost, I'd like to say that I always keep my eye on my own fast. So because I do fasting one way doesn't mean that somebody else is gonna do fasting the same way as I do, including OMAD. So my OMAD is I don't eat during the day, I wake up, I stay fasted, I go to work, and then I come home. I'll open, sometimes I'll open with a starter at about 5 or 5.30 p.m., whether it be something light like cheese, um, some sliced meat, tomatoes, you know, just something light. Then I'll move into, that's what I'm cooking while I'm cooking dinner. So then I cook dinner, we sit down and eat. And afterwards, if I want something like yogurt or something sweet, then I'll go ahead and have that. So by the time I stop eating, it's been about two to three hours total. So that's how I do OMAD. So we always say, people wonder, how do you get enough nutrition in an OMAD window, in a one meal a day window. Well, you know what? I don't know if I had enough nutrition. I know I didn't have enough nutrition when I was eating four times a day or five times a day. Um, uh, in 2011, I ran two marathons. And at that point I was, I was eating, I mean, you know how they tell you to eat four to five times a day and I was. And very slowly, that's how I got so heavy. So, I don't know that I was getting enough nutrition, even eating four to five times a day. So with OMAD, people ask, how do you know that you're getting enough nutrition? So one of the secrets is to always eat to satiety, just like you're saying. We choose foods that are nutritionally dense foods and that are going to make our bodies feel good. And everybody has those foods. After you eat, you just say, wow, that really sits in my tummy well. Or you know what, that didn't work for me. So you choose the foods that sit in your tummy really well and that satiate you. I think I had a I had I had a big struggle with overeating for about 10 to 12 months of my journey. 
I always ate past satiety. And that was one of my biggest struggles. And that's kind of what I like to do in the groups is help people who are struggling with that. And like I said, it seemed like everybody else had appetite correction. And that's what we call it. When you get to a certain point that you don't want to eat anymore, so you naturally stop. I didn't have that. I didn't have that appetite correction. Or if I had it, I just kept ignoring it because I had I had never had that in my life. So it was very new to me. So with appetite correction, I was saying it's not the same for everybody, is it, Roxy? No, it's not. And I had a hard time finding my, my appetite correction. So one of the best pieces of advice that Jin gives in the groups is listening for a sigh. When you're eating and you take that first break, an audible sigh, that's kind of your body telling you naturally, okay, you're getting to the point where you're full. And I had never really listened for that. But when it does happen, it's so loud. Now it's hard to ignore. And now it's uncomfortable to ignore. So that's one of the biggest pieces of advice that we give people is to listen for your body's natural sigh, because that's telling you, hey, I'm getting full and you'll need to stop soon. Yeah, that's just the amazing thing with intermittent fasting, isn't it? It just really corrects that overeating in our window. So I had not been on Facebook for eight years. Um, after I read De Delay, Don't Deny, Jen mentioned a couple of Facebook groups in there that she had, like you had said, with her husband, Chad. So I went ahead and I created a new profile only for the DDD groups. And that continues true to today. I am part of a couple of spinoff groups, but I only, you know, it's only for delay, don't deny. I don't do a lot of personal things on there yet. Not saying that I may not in the future to reach more Hispanic people, especially in my area. But they, the, the groups were invaluable resources. I saw people like you who were just, Oh my goodness. I mean, just so successful with fasting. It really does bring a tear to my eye because there was some people, there were some people like yourself who were just doing amazing things and then so willing to share with people. And I felt like that was so inspiring because that takes a lot of vulnerability and to see just people being able to be vulnerable in a very positive environment where Jen does not allow for anyone to be mean. There's always positivity. I mean, it is just, it's really a gem on Facebook and it meant the world to me early on and even now in my journey. And I'm 19 months in and I'm very blessed because Jen was nice enough to make me a moderator for the groups. So I spend a lot of my time on there just trying to reach people and help people and motivate just the way y'all did when I first joined. So, Roxy, let's talk about Mealless Monday. What is Mealless Monday and how did it start? Sure. So, Mealless Monday is a 36 to 42-hour fast that takes place in a really supportive environment within a thread inside of Delay, Don't Deny. It's also in the advanced groups. Delay Don't Deny has an advanced group that I also, you know, host that in. So I did OMAD for seven months and then I had a seven month stall. And then God gave me another gift and Jin gave her moderators an advanced copy of Fast Feast Repeat before it was published. That way we could review all of the information so we would be ready when um, the new book launched. So we were able, we read it in April. And again, just like Delay Don't Deny, the minute I read Fast Feast Repeat, I said, okay, I need to switch to alternate day fasting, some form of it. I had done four, three before, Graham. I had done it two times before. I had tried it six months in my journey for two weeks. And I had tried it 10 months in my journey for two weeks. Both times were a crash and burn. I did it terribly. I gained weight. I felt awful. I, it was just, 
not a good experience. So when I read Fast Feast Repeat, I said, you know what? She has so many different plans in there. If you do, if your listeners do not have Fast Feast Repeat, they need to get it because it is a comprehensive resource and tool for IF, for any kind of IF. If you're doing a daily um, window, if you're doing an alternate daily pattern, it is comprehensive. So I already knew about the down day, up, update down day approach. I had kind of tried to get around it, but because of my insulin resistance, I knew this is what I needed to do. And I had known that for a while. So I decided, let me do one longer fast a week. As soon as I read Fast for Feast Repeat, I said, let me do one longer fast a week. I'm going to do it on Monday. And because I love English and I'm a speech therapist and I, you know, we came up with an alliteration and it's mealless Monday. I thought that was fun. And by no means am I the only person who has ever um, fasted a complete fast on a Monday. I don't want to take credit for that at all because there have been alternate day fasters who have been fasting for three years. And, but because I was a moderator and I was so inspired by the book, I thought others could really benefit from one longer fast a week. And I thought, how wonderful would it be to do this with delay, don't deny. So I went ahead and made it become like a bridge to, to reach other people who wanted to do it as well. So then I did meal, we, I created Mealist Monday, but all the moderators helped in the beginning, everybody, you know, helped with the thread. And it's a fun place because if people have questions, they can ask in there. Um, if they're struggling, everybody kind of rallies around everybody and says, you know, you can do this. So it really is a fun, supportive environment. And if you can't do the 36 to 42 hour fast, that is totally okay too. Food is always available, readily available to us. So you can stop the fast at any time and we celebrate fasts of any length, not just 36 to 42 hours. So I feel like it's kind of, it's a fun thing to do. Yeah. So just explain what some of the benefits are, Roxy. So the benefits are, especially for, and that's the other thing I want to say, not everybody has to do or feels like they have to do a longer fast. Um, longer fasting is not for everybody. I know you touched on this with Rachel, so I won't get into that very much. So, um, it's not recommended for everybody. Not everybody has to do it. However, if you have wanted to do it or you have insulin resistance, this is a great schedule for that. So that is one of the biggest benefits of a 36 to 42 hour fast. It has huge cognitive benefits. Um, there's been studies by people, you know, that it helps with Alzheimer's disease, other dementia disorders, um, so cognitive is, is covered. Also insulin resistance, diabetes, fatty liver. It just gives your body so much time to rest. Um, there's a, you know, there's so many things it helps with. With the uh, Mealist Monday, is there any time where there's a wrong reason? I mean, I know some Mondays yes. come and I get calls and texts from people that I help and they say, oh my God, I've overdone it on the weekend and I've put on five pounds and I'm going to have to fast for 40 hours. And I say to them, look, that is revenge fasting. Do not do that. You know, That's you, correct. You, you need to do these things for the right reasons. See, can you just explain to people why sometimes there is a wrong reason to do it as well? Yes. And when I see that on the Mealist Monday thread, I do point it out. And I'm sure people think that I'm trying to get upset with them or, you know, I'm trying to scold them. But I try to keep it very positive, And I just say we never pull longer fasts in retribution of a perceived bad day or bad weekend or a two week, week vacation. That is not what longer fasts are about. Your regular fasting schedule will take care of that. A fast is full of forgiveness, no matter what length of fast you choose to do. Mealist Monday 
It's really designed to provide a safe and fun environment for a longer fast because longer fast gram can seem so intimidating to people. And I want people to know that it doesn't have to be like that if you want to do one. You can try it. There's a lot of people who are doing it and safety is number one. So doing fast because, oh, I had a bad weekend or I had a bad day is really not allowed in the Mealist Monday thread. Yeah, I think that's really great to point that out. So how do people, if they are doing a 36 or a 42 hour fast, how do they define between just that sort of head hunger and listening to their body when it's really telling them, hey, you might have to stop this and eat something? Yes. So what we say is that there'll be a short time when it gets really difficult, but it is fleeting usually because our body is meant to get hungry. Ghrelin is supposed to work. It's there for a reason. Our hormone ghrelin is our hunger hormone, and we're supposed to get hungry. That's physiological. You know, so we tell them it's going to be a true hunger, maybe for 15 to 30 minutes out of the whole fast, just like it would be on a, in a normal day. The time people get the hungriest is usually during their normal eating time, which is like their OMAD, um, sometimes around hour 20 through 24. There's been studies on when ghrelin peaks for women and men, and I try to always um, put that article in the Mealist Monday thread. There is a time when ghrelin or the hunger hormone is at its peak, but it never increases after that and only goes down. So after you've passed that 15 to 30 minutes, the rest is really emotional hunger. So the rule of thumb is if it's a dull gnawing hunger that doesn't go away and grows in 30 minutes, then that's when we encourage people to go ahead and open their window because that's a true hunger and they should listen to their body. But if it's just an emotional hunger where, oh, it's time for me to eat, we're so tied to that. If that goes away in 15 to 20 minutes, then we just are missing the ritual of eating. And we just know that it's not an emergency and it'll pass. Yeah, I think that's really great to hear that. And it's a fantastic explanation because that was the only sort of thing I thought about. I mean, I've thought about, you know, even though I've been maintaining for over a year now, Roxy, and uh, my weight's been great and I feel good in what I'm doing. I sort of thought I might do one or two just to see, because obviously talking to people like yourself, it's great to do that research and tweak. And so... Is this a good thing to do too, to maybe bust the plateau? Yes. And I was going to say for somebody who like you just described it perfectly. If you are in your position, there is no reason to pull a longer fast. If you're happy with your weight, if you're maintaining well, if you know, you're happy with your current schedule, if you are progressing towards your goals, or have reached your goals, then there's probably not a huge reason why you should enter ADF waters or longer fasting waters. Um, unless for some reason, like me, there's a, pre, uh, there's a genetic predisposition for diabetes or for Alzheimer's or for any kind of metabolic disorder. Then of course, one longer fast a week is never gonna hurt because you're gonna get the huge health benefits from it. You know, we lower our insulin, we protect our muscles, we increase bone density, we decrease visceral fat. Even if we have um, reached our weight, sometimes we have some lingering visceral fat that, you know, could do could use a little bit um, of work, but it's a great way to bust through a plateau. That's exactly what I did for me. I hadn't had any scale weight uh, loss in seven months. Like I said, I was very comfortable with my OMAD, but I knew I needed to get a little bit more visceral fat off of me. So after I started Mealist Monday, the um, hours, the days really crept on and I started doing a 5-2, which is um, five days of normal eating and two days of complete fast, not 
in a row, uh, like Monday and Thursday. Then I started doing four, three, and I would do Monday, Wednesday, Friday, full fasts. And now I've enjoyed it so much that I do uh, alternate day fasting. So every other day I fast. And um, so that's, that's the schedule that I'm at right now. But since I started all of that, now I've lost 12 additional pounds. So I'm down 32 pounds and uh, I feel great. I, I feel, you know, I, I feel lighter. I feel really good. So I, I can't say enough good things about breaking through a plateau with ADF. Yeah, so with the Mealless Monday, what happens when it comes to the end of that 36.42? Do you just go back to your normal protocol or is there a refeeding period that you have to do? Or There is a refeeding period. This has been very well researched. It's not like we're in the groups making up information or Jen's making up things. She's done a lot of research. We've listened to a lot of experts um, on you know, multiple interviews, she's read a lot of research papers. So five, the five, two schedule and alternate day fasting is a very, are very well researched uh, fasting schedules. So it has shown in the research that those days that you're not fasting should really be completely unrestricted. That's what it was like in the research papers. Nobody was counting calories. Nobody, everybody just ate three times a day, normal on their feast day. On the down day, either they had no calories or they had a meal that was less than 500 calories. So proper refeed, we can't stress this enough. It is so important. Our minimum in the group is two meals within six to 12 hours. If I notice, because I do really run, I do really run a tight ship on the Mealist Monday. I can tell you, I know my repeat fasters. I know who's doing what. If I see that somebody is not doing a refeed properly, they will not be allowed to be on that thread because we are not gonna do anything that's dangerous. And everything that we wanna do is going to be safe and backed by science. So I'm very careful with that. We're very careful with that, especially, and that's for anybody not even doing Mealist Monday. Jen is very careful about that in her groups. For anybody who's doing a 5-2, 4-3, or an alternate day fasting protocol, every down day, which is the fast, has to have an accompanying up day. That is a non-negotiable. So with that, Roxy, is there a chance on those up days where some people after a 36 or 42 hour fast, they may just open that window and go crazy and overeat in that <laughs> sort of update? Yes. Yes. I'm sure we we're sure that happens. However, we always say that's kind of natural in the beginning and naturally it gets reined in a little bit. Every time you do it, you kind of learn from, the previous feast, okay, I felt sick, that's not what I want to do, or okay, that food didn't make me feel very well, so I'm not going to do that. So just like as, just like in OMAD, you know, with OMAD, we figure out the foods that work well for us and don't work well for us. We're doing the same thing after a mealless Monday. And some days will be really great, and some days won't be so great. But those days that aren't good teach us a lot, just like an OMAD. I remember an OMAD, sometimes I would eat something and the next day my fast would be so hard. And I would think, why can I barely make it to 16 hours or 18 hours? I just had food on the brain. And it's funny that I found a pattern. Me personally, if I close with something like pasta, not bread or rice, but pasta, very specifically, I am so hungry the next day. Oh my goodness. It's like, I didn't even eat that other day. I should have just gone mealless because I am very hungry. But other things that I eat, if I eat a full fat yogurt with a little bit of berries in it, that will just stay with me for so long and I'll feel satiated and it makes the fasting so easy. So you learn, you, it's amazing, Graham, like you said earlier, what fasting 
teaches us and teaches us about our bodies. We start to listen so well. Yeah, I think we just get in tune, don't we? So with your sort of fasting, with your ADF, so you just fast straight through. You don't do the 500 calorie option? No, I don't. I, I, I'm, I'm very wary of sharing what I do usually, like specifics. I don't really share my foods. I don't share my schedule or my protocols because I don't want people to feel like that's what they need to do for them. This is what works for me. If I have the 500 calories, it is not enough food for me. I feel like I'm hungry and I don't like to feel like I'm hungry during my fasts. For me personally, it's so much easier for me to fast straight through. And that just works for me. I don't sleep as well when I eat the 500 calories. I've done the down day probably about four to five times. I don't sleep as well as when I um, fast straight, straight through. And a lot of fasters will have problems with their sleep on a down day on that second night. Um, but I sleep like a baby, thank God. And But there are people who have a lot of problems with it, but I only have a problem if I eat those 500 calories. Yeah. So what about exercise on your journey, Roxy? I, I know you do a fair bit. Can you just explain what your exercise sort of routine's like? You know, yes, I can. It's kind of shoddy. It's kind of hit or miss. Sometimes I'm doing a lot. Sometimes I'm not doing very much. When I first started, my first 11 weeks of my IF journey were very difficult. I think because of my fatty liver, because of my prediabetes, I had so much in my storages that it took a long time to burn through that. And because I was eating whatever I wanted to with an unrestricted diet, that wasn't helping the cause. So for 11 weeks, I literally did nothing. I became a slug. I was exhausted all the time. I couldn't shake it. And then at 11 weeks, it was just like this amazing switch. And I came to life again. And even more so, I was, you know, so that's when I started Zumba. I really like to dance. Um, I love dancing. That's one of my passions and my hobbies. So I started doing Zumba. I started to jog a little bit. But to be honest with you, when the quarantine happened um, from March, probably until about August, July or August, all I did was walk. So the, the majority of my weight, the 12 additional pounds were lost when I was just walking. So it gave me a lot of time to relax and just kind of enjoy uh, my walk. And I walk about four miles a day. So that's what I'm doing right now uh, because I still don't go to the gym. Um, I'm trying to be as careful as possible. So I just walk outside right now. Yeah. So with intermittent fasting and ADF, how do you think it's really impacted the most on your life? And has it done things like for your confidence and your self-esteem? I think it definitely has. For sure, I probably would not have been doing any kind of podcast interview before. Um, I think overall, the gift of IF has been for me to connect to myself again. And to be able to listen to my body is an amazing thing. Uh, I'm very grateful for that. The other thing I'm very grateful for is learning about it to be able to pass it on to my daughter. And that way she can always have this tool in her toolbox. I feel like that is really big for me. And I know my mom probably would have wanted the same for us when we were younger. So that's really important. Um, and I'm hoping that it's going to be a vessel for me to be able to reach all fasters. I love all fasters, of course. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm big about diversity and I love all cultures, but I really have a special place in my heart for Latino and Hispanic fasters. And I hope that my message re reaches them and um, that we can get this obesity thing turned around, not only for us, but for our children and our grandchildren. So I feel like there's a lot that we can still do and help and there's a lot of things I need to do with fasting that doesn't have to do with myself, but really about others and reaching other people. Yeah, it's that passion that comes to share that we find and it almost becomes compelling. And that's one of the reasons I started this podcast and 
I wrote my book, which is coming out soon because I didn't write a book because I thought it was going to be a bestseller or I was going to sell thousands of books. I thought, well, if I can write a book and give somebody a document and say, here you go, and it helps them, then I've done my job and I've, I've paid it forward and it makes me feel great about that. But you working in the medical uh, field, Roxy, as a speech therapist, do you find it frustrating that more doctors aren't getting on board in your area? Um, I try to be careful with that because you're right. I am in the medical community. My mom is an RN, um, still an RN, 71 years old and still has her license. And yes, I wish that doctors were a little bit more open-minded to it. I don't think that it's all their fault because I do listen to low carb MD every week. And I do know their history. When they go to medical school, they don't have the chance to learn these things. It's not their, it's not their fault. They have one nutrition class that I've heard. And, you know, the, the doctors tell the same story every time they're on the podcast, their background is they don't have the information either. So it's hard to blame them for something that they may not have known. So I feel like it's incumbent upon us as the patients to teach them or to give them a book and say, you know what, maybe you can read this um, because I feel like they're at a loss as well. Nobody wants to see their patients sick and I'm sure they're very um, burnt out from get people getting people who just become sicker and sicker. So I'm sure they would like to change things as well. They just don't know how. So I feel like your book is going to be awesome. As many books that we can get out there about intermittent fasting, I think people are going to have to start paying attention, not only physicians, but patients as well. We have the responsibility too. And I feel like that's part of mindset. Yes, you can sit here and say, you know what, my doctor never told me about this, or my doctor doesn't agree with my fasting plan, or, but what are you doing about this? It is incumbent upon us to take the bull by the horns and to be able to say, here, I've got some information. If they don't do anything with that information, well, that's on them, but at least you've tried. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I had a really interesting chat, actually, with a lady called Sarah Cull uh, down in New Zealand. I don't know if you've seen Sarah's post. I, yes, I have. I sure have. And I saw that you had made a post the other day about that as well. Yeah, she's coming up on the podcast. And it was so inspiring to hear that she works in a medical clinic in Auckland in New Zealand where their frontline sort of defense against obesity and diabetes, they're using intermittent fasting uh, with their patients and they're getting some amazing results and they've done all these case studies and and people have been reversing their diabetes so when that podcast comes out that might be something that your dad may be really interested in listening to and other people in the area there that'll be amazing and you know um the intermittent fasting doctor down here dr christian Assad, he was on low carb md and now he has his own podcast in Spanish, which is just mind-blowing and awesome. So he is doing a podcast with a bariatric um, doctor. And they're both Spanish speakers. So they're trying to get the word out about intermittent fasting and low-carb. Um, so like I said, the world is changing and there's doctors who are doing this. And that's because my doctor is a cardiologist and he is an intermittent faster himself. He's a low carber. So, you know, in a tiny city like McAllen, if we've got a doctor, I have a lot of hope for the rest of the world as well. So I think that we just need to get, keep getting the word out about intermittent fasting. Definitely. So we're going to wrap it up in a minute. Roxy, but what I wanted to sort of close on, if you had to go back and tell yourself a few things that you sort of found out on your journey, what would be that? And also just some final words of motivation. If somebody's sitting there and they're a bit stuck and they don't know what to do about their weight, what would be your sort of words of wisdom? If I could go back and tell myself at the beginning of my IF journey, I would tell myself how important food is. And I would really make, you know, in Jin's book, Fast Beast Repeat, 
she says, don't change anything for 28 days. Fast for 28 days, and I completely agree with that. After the 28th day, when you have fasting down as a lifestyle, when it is part of your daily routine for at least a month, that's when I would start tweaking foods and paying attention to what I'm feeding my body. Um, I think that's the piece of advice I would give myself if I, if I was going back um, to when I first started IF. And I think my advice for anybody, one of my favorite things to say right now in the groups is not to be afraid of being uncomfortable. And I feel like sometimes that's what a mealless Monday or a 5243 or any alternate day fasting pattern is to people sometimes is uncomfortable, but we've been comfortable for a very long time. And what has that led us to? It's led us to obesity, at least in my area, um, poor health, fatty livers, pre-diabetes. So I challenge people to get uncomfortable and that's okay not to be comfortable and not to feel like I'm at a, you know, at a comfort level of hundred percent. I feel like ADF is intimidating and I want people to know that it doesn't have to be. It's very manageable, it's fun, and there's a lot of tips that I put in Mealist Monday to help get you through that. And um, it doesn't have to be intimidating at all. We can, we can all do it. It's very attainable. Yeah, I think that's unbelievable, great advice, Roxy. And anybody that wants to follow Roxy in the Mealist Mondays, uh, you may want to think about joining a Delay Don't Deny Facebook groups. Um, there's two or three different avenues. There's an advanced group for people that have read the Fast Feast Repeat. And there's also another support group as well where you can ask moderators questions and that type of thing. But Roxy, you're a shining light. And thank you so much for joining me on the Fasting Highway today. Thank you for having me again, Graham. I really appreciate it. And I say adios from South Texas. Okay. Thanks so much, Roxy. Great to talk to you. Bye. Oh, thank you so much, Roxy. I've thoroughly enjoyed that chat with you. And I think you gave the explanation of the alternate day fasting and the mealless Mondays a really great service there. And I think people that are listening out there will be in a much clearer picture now and how to handle that. So thank you for that. So coming up next on the Fasting Highway podcast, we've got the inspiring Shana Hassan. And Shana is the author of Fast to Heal. She also has a podcast and Facebook group of the same name. And Shana is a nutritionist that was investigating some medical issues with her son when she started questioning everything that she'd been taught about nutrition in college. So don't miss that one. It's a really interesting listen. Also, thank you again to those people buying my book, The Fasting Highway. It really helps out this podcast. So if you do enjoy the podcast, please consider purchasing a copy of The Fasting Highway. Uh, Thank you to all the messages from all around the world with people that it's resonated with. And um, it's very uplifting and also very humbling. So thank you. Anyway, till next week, be well, be safe. And remember, clean fasting is everlasting.